Hello, beautiful people. Today I have an awesome conversation with Sarah Gaines about her life career path, her spiritual journey, and the evolution that she has had in loving her body. Sarah is such a bright light, and I'm excited for everyone to hear this awesome conversation. Enjoy, beautiful people. Hey, everybody. My name is Sarah Joy Gaines. I am a spiritual life coach, a uh, yoga teacher, mindfulness teacher, meditation teacher, and an entrepreneur and a writer. Wow. So let's start from the very beginning and how you got involved in mindfulness, meditation, yoga, and did you have a job before then that you had to transition out of? So never had a job besides what I'm doing now, <laughs> besides some, some internships and, you know, jobs in, in high school at like a pizza shop. But, um, I got into meditation and mindfulness at a very early age. My mom, my mom is a therapist, licensed clinical social worker and, um, a certified hip, uh, hypnotherapist. And so from very early on, she was doing yoga with me or I was doing yoga with her, um, at night, you know, I'd have her, if I felt stressed out, I remember I would ask her to, to quote, meditate me. Um, and so, so I was really introduced to, to mindfulness from an early age and over the course of really my college years is when I really tapped into it myself and really got deep into it. I started practicing yoga, um, a lot my freshman year of college when I was actually just really unhappy my freshman year of college. I didn't feel like I was in the right place and I wasn't finding my people. And so yoga was kind of my sanctuary. And um, from there, my sophomore year of college developed a blog about healthy living in college and how to, um, how to maintain healthy habits and um, how how um, fitness really was not just about mental health, but, or excuse me, it was not just about physical health, but it was about mental health as well. And so from there, I started just really tapping into to that writing portion about bringing students together on campus. I started a fitness club on campus. Um, my blog had grown to um, actually start having other college students contribute to my blog. And so my first business, my first job out of college was, um, was called Fit University. And it was started from my own blog and this club on campus and turned into a community of college students across the country, all living healthy, fit lives and sharing that. And I started teaching fitness along the way. So I've always done multiple things. It was, it was never just one thing, but it's always been surrounding fitness and mindfulness and self-love and everything has sort of just kind of continued to develop envelop, uh, develop as I, you know, started in this, this physical fitness and really have grown more into, um, really this spiritual, spiritual essence of our physical being. So going back to college, when everyone is kind of figuring themselves out in that time and everyone's focused on partying and connecting with one another through that way, did you eventually mm -hmm. find people that were mindful like you at that time? Because I'm very into mindfulness, but it took a lot of bumps in the road for me to finally realize, oh, this is what I need. Yeah, yeah. It's a great question. I think yes and no. I think it was 
less about finding those people at first and more about solidifying it within myself. So I would still go to parties and I would still still go out with friends, but I just wouldn't really drink that much or I would, you know, I, I would kind of do me within the setting. And it wasn't until my my senior year of college, which was when I created that club on campus, that I started to meet other people um, who were who were interested in healthy living in that capacity. But I think, um, yeah, it was really just getting grounded in myself of this is what I'm going to do regardless. Um, and kind of like that, that concept of finding my people and um, you know, that's been an ever evolving journey since then. Um, and I continue to meet more and more people. And as I continue to step more into myself, I continue to find the people who are even more aligned with what I'm doing now. When you left college and started to continue on this journey, was it easy for you to find jobs or did you have to continue to create your own? Because like in this world right now, there's constant like push, push, push to get to the higher step. So was yeah. there any imbalances with that? So when I first graduated, I had made a very clear decision of I'm going to focus on this. I'm not going to get a regular nine to five. This is what I'm doing. That being said, I also obviously needed to be making money. And so I had already, I had been nannying in college. And mm-hmm. so I continued that on. And then the other jobs that I got were for the most part somewhat aligned with what I was doing. So I was doing freelance social media and freelance writing. I was doing, um, I was a brand ambassador for Quest Nutrition. And uh, the only one thing that I, I did some like really random ones. I did, I was, I did catering for a little while <laughs> that didn't last very long. That was just like, literally just like, I need money. Um, but, but I tried to, to get these one-off jobs that were somewhat aligned with what I was doing. So, you know, with quest, when I was working with them, I was going to different events and meeting all these other reps from different health and fitness brands. And mm-hmm. so in turn, I was making connections within the industry. Um, and then eventually maybe a year after college, that's when I actually started teaching fitness. And then that once I started diving into teaching fitness, I slowly started to get rid of all those additional, uh, all those additional jobs that I was doing until eventually really all that I was doing was teaching fitness and then working on my business. Mm. But I mean, there's certainly struggle and, um, you know, like the stickiness of it and like the uncomfortability of it and kind of like, oh, I don't want to be doing this, but I have to be doing this. But, you know, that is kind of the essence of building from from nothing. Right. Was there a moment that made you find your spirituality or do you believe that you were always spiritual because your mother raised you in that mindset? Yeah, it's funny. I literally just said this to my friend last night of like, what was the moment in time that I like fully tipped? Um <laughs> And I think it was more of an evolution. I, you know, I, I feel deeply that I always was connected to that part of me in some capacity. I've always written, I've always been quite intuitive and known when something's right or, or, or not. And I think I really just started allowing myself to embrace it. And, and first it was, it was more so, okay, I'm going to get more into my yoga and meditation practice. Um, 
And, and then through that, just like continuing to unravel these bits and recognizing like, oh, this feels, this feels good. I feel like me here. And I think actually a, a big um, block that was keeping me from stepping fully in at some point was this um, fear of judgment from others of this, like, oh, you're going to be like the spiritual one, like saying nonsense, all these kinds of things. And I almost didn't want to come off as being weird or you know, any of that. And I think once I got over that and allowed myself to just fully lean in because it's what I know to be true and what I feel deeply has worked for me and is so, um, has been so critical in my evolution and my growth, both as just a human, but also as, um, in the work that I'm doing. And so once I just recognized, oh, okay, I have this, this thing that's keeping me, um, from doing what feels good um, and allowed myself to step in. I think that was kind of like the, the floodgate into it, if you will. Was there ever a moment that made you realize that the only thing that you could do was speak your truth? Like, was there ever an imbalance? Like just from personal experience, I had in order for me to come into myself, I had to do a 10 day silent meditation retreat. I needed mm-hmm. ayahuasca. There was all of these things that I needed to finally step into my power. So I'm fascinated right. by the journeys that people take in order to finally speak their truth. It's crazy how it's challenging. Until oh it's not challenging yeah. anymore. Right. And then once you rip it off, it's like, oh, there's no going back. <laughs> Ever. I'm like, it's impossible for me to be phony now. And of course there are moments. Right. But the second I'm phony, I have to apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry, that was not true. Like, I don't know where that just came from. Yes, yeah, and (laughs) yes. Uh, So I think it it comes in layers for me. And I think that the most groundbreaking or aha one moment that I could think of um, that I really relate back to is I was in a relationship for four years that I knew from the jump wasn't the right relationship. But I wanted so badly to be in a relationship that I just kept squashing down my inner voice, my actual truth that was saying, yo, this isn't right, this isn't right. But I was like, no, but like, so I wanna be in a relationship. And it was a really, um, it it was a a relationship that was not what I, I deemed to be a healthy, loving, full relationship. And it took four years for me to finally listen and speak the truth of that fully. And I had like would come out in bits and pieces throughout it to try to change it in the hopes that it would, but it wouldn't. And so from that moment, um, once that relationship ended, it was really this big like waving flag of listen to your inner voice because she is always right. And so I think that that kind of like kicked it off for me in like the deepest way of like, what is my, what's like my actual truth. And then over the course of the past few years, cause that relationship ended in the beginning of 2017. It's like, I just continued to step into it deeper into kind of like what you just said, find it in moments and, you know, really, really um, just tuning into certain relationships of, am I not am I not authentic in this relationship for a certain reason? Is there something that needs to be said? And um, I actually had at the beginning of this year, um, I had an instance that happened with a friend where there was some um, like not full truth spoken. And then there ended up being miscommunication within it. And 
ultimately what I pulled from that whole experience was this mantra of love awaits truth, truth awaits love. And that has kind of been my guiding light, particularly from that point on in January 20th of, of this year of just like continue to speak everything that you know is true because everything else is going to follow and fall into place after that. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how when we're in the moment of certain situations, we can be so blinded. Maybe other people see it, but we can't. And then Mm -hmm. when we finally see it, we're like, oh, okay, so what else don't I see? And through meditation is the only way we can sort of see ourselves 360, sort of. I'm always curious about my blind spots because I feel like there are so many. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're ever growing just as we are. Right. (laughs) It's like you remove one blind spot, but then maybe something else comes in. So you're a very confident, truthful, beautiful human. Do you feel that mindfulness makes you confident or have you had to work on your confidence in other ways? I think it's both. You know, I I think, you know, inherently I've always been a very outgoing, confident person. Um, You know, I, I did cheerleading and musical theater and dance all throughout growing up. And so I think that, you know, helped to develop that. Um, And now, you know, I I think I also attribute a large part of my confidence to fitness. One of my, my favorite things about fitness, which I've always said, is that the strength and the energy that you build physically transcends into mental and emotional strength. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a former fitness instructor, I did bodybuilding, all of those things. You know, I, I, I really think that played a big role in my confidence. That being said, a big piece of the confidence that I've had to like work around has been surrounding my body and the mindfulness comes into play where it's starting to recognize, well, where am I, where am I doubting myself in that space? And where is that coming from? And is it rooted in truth or is it rooted in insecurity or what other people have said to me? And how can I remove that to, to step into my fullest? Because at our, at our truest, like we are powerful, loving, you know, free flowing beings. Like that is what we are. And it's all this other shit that we've kind of collected along the way that has made us, could make us feel small. And so it's the mindfulness for me has definitely been um, kind of like a magnifying glass of, okay, well, where, where are those like dust specks still lying and how can I clean them off? Mm -hmm. So let's go back to bodybuilding. That's an intense, very regimented lifestyle to go through. What was that like? What did you learn about yourself and how did that change the way you see your body? Because is that sustainable? No. Um, I started working with a personal trainer who was in the bodybuilding industry and it was, and and it was on a very strict regimented plan, five to six small meals a day, cardio in the morning, weights in the afternoon. And that was that regiment and style was the only thing that worked to change my body because it was such a drastic measure to take. And I learned so much about myself throughout that because the first nine months of working with him, I developed the most unhealthy, obsessive behaviors around it. It was, you know, if I 
was going to miss a workout or if I wasn't going to be able to eat on plan, I would freak out. My mental health was completely suffering. And once it took about nine months, you know, kind of your point of like, when we're so in it, it's hard to recognize mm-hmm. these blind spots. Um, and then at some point I finally did. And so I started to pull myself self out of it and started to bring more awareness to it, started practicing mindful eating, mindfulness. This is, that was a part of my life when I really started tapping back into meditation and affirmations and, and really started practicing self-love. Um, and so, so what I learned about myself is I learned that I could be really disciplined, really, really disciplined. Um, how that has affected me now is that I think I have a um, like a subconscious rooted fear of sticking and committing to a plan because I went so far deep into that discipline and it affected me so so negatively in terms of my mental health, my body image suffered so much because when when you do a bodybuilding show, you get your body down to a, as little body fat as your body can really sustain. I mean, I was 98 pounds and every bit of weight that you put on after that I put on after it was, Oh, well I'm fat. Right. Cause I got my body to this and now every little increment back on which you need to be a sustainable, healthy body. You know, I wasn't getting my period. I wasn't, I felt weak. I felt foggy headed. I wasn't, I wasn't my full energetic self. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's, you know, bodybuilding, it's, um, it's complete manipulation of, of your body. Um, and it's, and it's a testament again, like the discipline, the work, but, but I think the, the manipulation that comes of your mind can really, really poorly affect, affect you. And that was what I found. Were your friends worried about you at the time? And did you feel angry when people wanted to tell you that they were concerned if they were? So less my friends, more my family. And yes, I would get very angry. You know, it was, um, you know, I, I reflect back to some of the times that I was with my mom and, you know, would, would snap at her for whatever she might be inquiring about when, you know, she was just concerned about me, but it was, um, you know, I was, I had to stick to the plan. Nope. This is the plan. This is the plan. Um, and the plan, the plan worked, right. The plan was to change my body and it did, but how else did it affect me in every other way? And I think that's, you know, a lot of the work that I focus on is around body image and self-love and mindful fitness. And, you know, I, societally, we, it's so much have been about, you know, change your body, change your body. I want to change my body. If I change my body, then, then this, and well, what's the other side of that, right? This is just the vessel that we're all in. Right. So how does changing the vessel change everything else? Right. And I feel like the more that these healthy habits are put into place, your body falls into place. It's like I notice when I'm present, my skin is glowing. Like Mm -hmm. my energy, I can feel my hands. I can feel my toes. (laughs) 
Love it. Um, sometimes I'll look yeah. at my hands and I'm like, wow, I'm a human. Yes. I do the same. I'm like, oh, look at you, 10 little fingers. <laughs> so was there a moment after the bodybuilding competition that you were like, I'm done? So it's interesting because I had, so I worked with this trainer for, for nine months had a huge body transformation. And it was at that point that I realized the obsessive behaviors started practicing mindful eating, all these kinds of things. And then I had about a year and a half or so, maybe a little bit less that I was really integrating still kind of his plans, but more of with this mindful capacity. And then after that is when I actually started training for a bodybuilding competition. So then I had a 20 week prep where I was following his plan And it felt less obsessive because I had been spending that chunk of time within it, um, between like focusing in on mindful habits. But once I had, so when I went through the actual competition, it felt less obsessive than the first time I ever trained with him, which was interesting. I remember being very proud of myself that when I would have my cheat meals on Saturday night, I, I didn't have one binge, whereas opposed to all the other times when I trained with him, Every single weekend was just let me eat everything I possibly can because this is my only time. Mm. So when I did, when I actually competed, it felt less obsessive, but what I was working with was the really, really horrible body image. But when I was first done with the show, I thought for sure I was going to do another one. If there's like a high comes along with it. I was like, yep, I'm going to do another one. Definitely. Um, And then I think it took a few weeks, maybe months, where I really started to recognize how it had affected me. And I actually remember, because I was in college when I did this show. Yeah, Yeah, I was in my junior year, my junior year of college. Yeah. Wow. And I did my show, I remember, in May. And then July, I studied abroad. And I remember being in Spain with... um, my boyfriend at the time he had flown out and we were in Spain and I just remember like sitting with him at dinner one night and just being like, I, and just like explaining to him how I actually felt, which was like, I just like, I hate how I look. I, you know, I, I feel disgusting. I I look at myself in the mirror and I, I think I look fat and, and it was so heavy and I was here in Barcelona. And, you know, I I look at my myself now at those pictures and I'm like, oh my God, like it just goes to show how, how skewed our perception can be. And, you know, I actually posted about this on Instagram a few days ago of, you know, body image, image is perception. Our perception is just the way that we see things based on what we're thinking. Right. And so really just a testament to body image is mindset body image is thoughts about yourself and anything is thoughts about yourself. Perception is what are you thinking? And so when you're thinking poorly, when you're thinking negatively, that's what you're going to see. But if you're focusing on, Oh my God, my hands, I'm a human, you know, and you're, you're really looking for the beauty of it. That's what you're going to see. There's also so many moments that I'll look back to photos and I'm like, I remember I hated that photo of myself. That is crazy. wild to think how nothing is permanent anyways. Exactly. And, you know, with that too, I mean, our bodies are ever changing from the hair that we have on our bodies to our nails. Like our body is just not going to look the same as we continue to live day by day. So to your point, this attachment 
to needing it to look this one way. It's just, we're wasting our energy. Right. And if that energy was replaced with something like spreading love, it shifts on itself. It's like the universe gives back. It really is a universal force that's like, all right, so you're thinking these good thoughts and you're putting out this good energy. I'm going to give back to you. You could just bottle that sentiment up and just blast it on loudspeakers <laughs> to the entire world. We would save so much. Oh my <laughs> so God. Much. Maybe we should put up some New York billboards. Honestly, I, I have had one of my dreams is to buy billboards just throughout the whole country and just write positive little loving sayings on them all. Maybe that could be a little side business where everyone yeah. who wants to participate adds in a little cash. Spread love via billboards. I love that. Me too. <laughs> you start a business together? I feel like we should. Oh, this is so nice. How can people find you? Facebook, Instagram? Instagram's the, the best way. Sarah J. Gaines. Also my website, sarahjgaines.com, but I'm pretty responsive over Instagram. And yeah, that's really simple. Sarah J. Gaines. Thank you, Sarah.